Let's go to Asia now, and we're joined by our correspondent, Pierre Erlander Lilius. We've been talking about Taylor Swift throughout the project, uh, the program and the projected millions our economy may have missed out on by not hosting a tour here. Well, she is on her way to Singapore tomorrow, where it appears the country is forking out some hefty cash, Pierre. Absolutely. Uh, it is said that uh, Singapore is paying four and a half million New Zealand dollars per show and uh, Taylor Swift is going to appear at uh, six concerts. And uh, this is something people are talking about online. A lot of people are saying, well, this is very shrewd by Singapore's government. As we just heard, there are a lot of uh, income to be counted on when a celebrity, when an A-list artists like this comes to to your city. But uh, there's also rumors that are floating around that have caused a bit of, um, uh, of uproar. None other than uh, Thailand's Prime Minister, Sreta Tavisin, said last week that uh, he had heard that this uh, money that Singapore paid was under the condition that Taylor Swift only visited Singapore in the region. And uh, people are obviously quite upset about this because they have to pay extra airfare, extra accommodation, all of that. When it comes to Coldplay, that was here just uh, one month ago, they visited Bangkok and Manila as well. So um, there's been some, 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 some uh, talk about this online. The, the city-state in itself, they have said that, yes, they are paying Taylor Swift a grant to come and visit Singapore, but they haven't said anything about any exclusivity deal. Well, it's interesting. I mean, people might be annoyed by it, Pierre, but if it, they had managed to get an exclusive deal with her, that would seem like good business sense. They get the money from everyone travelling there. No, definitely, yeah. And some people think that this is this is very shrewd by Singapore. Well played, well played. So... Okay, well, let's move on to the farmers, like a convoy of protesters, farmers on tractors in India. What do they want? Where are they going? So this is really a follow up of what was going on 2020 to 2021, when India was racked by protests that went on for 15 months. Uh, The farmers then were protesting a new law that they said would only benefit big business and would cut their salaries a whole lot. Um, Now they're saying that the promises made to them haven't been fulfilled. And what they're really talking about is something that they called an MSP, a minimum support price. And this would be the government buying their produce at a minimum price and thereby guaranteeing their salaries. Now, um, this is not coming at a very good time for Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi, uh, with the general election happening just two months from now. Uh, at the moment, uh, tractors are amassing outside of the capital's uh, border, and uh, you have huge barricades. It's almost been described as a fort around New Delhi. Um, this also, when it came to the protest a couple of years ago, there were instances where you found uh, extremist elements within the ranks of the protesters as well. Uh, and it has to do with um, uh, Sikhist uh, nationalists from Punjab. Uh, at one time, a couple of years ago, they raised a nationalist flag over the Red Fort in New Delhi, for instance. So... This kind of controversy is not something that Modi would like to see coming into the election. Um, But more than ethnic uh, injustices and things like that, 
these protests do have to do with the strife experienced by the farmers. More than anything else, it has to do with really hot temperatures and uh, vast amounts of farmland turning into deserts. Um, Despite these problems, many economists actually argue that these uh, things that the farmers want, they would make the problem even worse because they would push food inflation and overproduction, which could deplete the scarce water resources in the countryside even more. And they are not the only ones protesting, are they? You've got doctors on the streets in Korea. Tell us about that. No, this is really top of mind in Asia at the moment with protests. So in South Korea, it has to do about doctors, like you said. And these doctors, they are proposing, they are protesting a proposal by the government to add 2,000 more seats at the medical schools. And at the medical schools, at the moment, they're there are just over 3,000 seats. So this would be a major increase of the amount of doctors graduating every year. However, South Korea also has the smallest, the second lowest ratio of doctors to inhabitants of all OECD countries. And with the world's fastest aging population, public health is really a growing issue. So what the doctors are saying, they're saying that this uh, increase of the number of doctors will reduce their salaries and it will not necessarily fill the gaps most needed in the system, which is in particular pediatricians and obstetricians. Uh, The most popular specialty uh, is plastic surgery. Um, So at the moment, 8,000 trainee doctors have refused to report to their workplaces. This is forcing hospitals in Seoul to postpone as much as half of all surgeries. Uh, And a few years ago, in 2020, uh, doctors managed in a similar action to make the government repeal this kind of proposal. Um, But so far, the current government has not shown any signs of backing down and uh, Their policies so far to improve public health have been quite popular among the voters. So instead, as we heard uh, at the headlines just before, um, the doctors were today faced with an ultimatum when Interior Minister Lee Sang-min said that those who return to work by Thursday will not be held accountable. So uh, the coming days may show who will win this chicken race. Thank you, Pierre. Good to talk to you. That is our Asia correspondent, Pierre Elinda Lilias, there, speaking to us about two protests in his region. Uh, before we go, some of your feedback on gangs in our interview with Mark Mitchell, the police minister. This person says, can't say that gang patches are an issue for me, and this member of the public is not over it. Another says, Mark Mitchell has just made the job of New Zealand police much, much harder. They have good ways of dealing with gangs in their regions trust the police to do what they do best trying to create an inflated problem this person says another says it starts with the gangs all the way down to my neighbor who has made my life hell and he knows the cops won't do anything it's a gimmick 
says this listener, the minister is kidding himself, and us if he thinks this will work. Solving the gang issue has to tackle poverty and family dysfunction. Without that, everything else is an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. And he's not sorry, so he should stop saying that. Another says the new gang law is totally unenforceable. Um, This is just a distraction and a sideshow. White-collar criminals do as much damage, um, but is not enforced as much. Uh, There will be chaos trying to stop gangs wearing patches, another one says. Um, Hyperbole again from the Minister of Police appealing to his voters. There will be needless bloodshed with this draconian approach. Um, And on the subject of schools, this person says, use the tax cuts for the rich to fix up schools. That is in respect of the government canning a number of building projects. They're doing an investigation into cost blowouts and what's needed to be done. So thank you for all your feedback this evening. Right, before we go, tomorrow on First Up, you'll all be on the edge of your seat wondering what is happening. 5am, sorry, tomorrow morning. Whoa, don't want to get them up too late, eh, Leonard? <laughs> Leonard Powell from First Up is in the studio. What is on the programme? 5am tomorrow, Lisa. Yeah. Uh, we, we're talking about the breakfast of world champions. So that's Lewis Clairbert tomorrow He's on. He won the 400-meter individual medley at the World Swimming Champs in mm-hmm. Doha last week, and he's back to training. He's coming on first thing in the morning before his training. Do you know what do you think he eats? And I'm drinks? sure he packs it away, Lenny. Like I mean, wheat bix, toast up the wazoo, mm-hmm. quite a few carbs, and a lot of protein. Gas station pie and a coffee first thing in the morning before training. Whoa. World champion breakfast. Wouldn't so that sink you like a rock in the pool? We're going to find out. <laughs> and we're also going to find out what that pie is. Is it, you know, what sort of pie is he going for? Does he switch it up? It's his new routine since I'm he's moved to Auckland. meat and cheese, you know, like steak and cheese. Yeah, well, the, I'll be up standard. early to find out. And um, we're going to find out why he moved to Auckland as well from Wellington. There was no camera. He couldn't take his cameras into the pool. Training dramas. He's a big there, social so. media guy, right? Sure um, is. Before we go, we've only got a few sec- uh, seconds to go. Leonard Powell, what is the breakfast of your choice, please? Ooh, uh, if it's not a pie and a drink from the petrol station. Black coffee and uh, hopefully something else. <laughs> Thank you, Leonard. So tune in tomorrow for First Up from 5am. That's it from us this evening. The Late News team will keep you updated.